2: Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast.
0: It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone with the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian.
3: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast on the Odyssey Network. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by Zane Nakvi. Al Sacco is on assignment today. Zane, it's just the West Side connection, right? It's just, it's just us two Cali boys here today. Uh, we don't have any of that Al Sacco negative New York energy uh, weighing down on a sunny California day. It's Friday, and there's this weird yellow thing in the sky that I haven't seen in California, or at least Northern California, in, in quite a bit. How are you doing today, bud? It's been it's been a minute, and this
1: West Side Connection will make all the others bow down when you come <laughs> to our town. I so side it. note, that was one of the most underrated records of all time. That West Side Connection, that, that first record that they put out, awesome stuff. Like I grew up on that stuff, man. Like I love yeah. that stuff. Like Ice Cube, Magtan, Chuck. Like that was that was that was good stuff. That was good music back then. And I love that's it. not, they don't make them like they used to. But they man, do not. it's it's a they sunny, do not. It's a It's a sunny day. It's a, it's a bright day outside and the future looks bright for the 49ers, man. I mean, they're filling a lot of holes here. The free agency period, you could make an argument that they didn't suffer any huge losses. Uh, They suffered a few key departures, but nothing that's irreplaceable. And they've been able to make a few shrewd moves that could possibly pan out a lot of low risk, high reward type of moves. They made a couple on both sides of the ball in the trenches that we're going to talk about today. And I think that when you're a championship caliber team, that's that's all you really need. They don't need any needle moving moves right now at this point, right? They just need to be able to stem the tide of the attrition that, that has happened due to them being such a good team and guys cashing out. And they need to be able to make the most out of the draft picks. Like they've got 11 picks. They're not going to use all 11 of those picks. I can tell you right now, they're, they're yeah. either trading up or trading out to next year to get more draft capital next year because they don't have 11 spots on the roster to be filled. They have far fewer yeah. than that. So we'll talk about the draft when that time comes, but man, what, what are your reactions about free agency?
3: Yeah. You know, I mean, they, obviously they did, they did make a, a needle moving move, right? They, they signed arguably, well, you want Harden, the, yeah. The, yeah, the best, uh, the yeah. best defensive free agent available. Uh, and again, I think everybody was caught off guard by that, but uh, the two signings that we are talking about the most recent, uh, the 49ers signed uh, two guys to one-year deals. Uh, they signed defensive end or edge player Austin Bryant from the Detroit Lions to join his former Clemson, Clemson teammate, Cleveland Farrell, in Santa Clara. And then they also signed uh, last year's New York Giants starting center, John Feliciano, who is coming back to the Bay after having been uh, with both Well, as I say, both New York teams with two New York teams. He was with the Bills last year. He was with the Giants and both of those guys signed for one year deals. And the Feliciano uh, deal is interesting to me because uh, the contract information came out and Feliciano's deal is, is not, it's, it's not a big deal. It's two point, I believe it's 2.25. Yeah. $2.25 million, but it is fully guaranteed for him. Uh, which mm-hmm. tells me, at least tells me a couple of things. One, uh, that's more than Colton McKibbitz, okay? Who everybody kind of assumes is going to step into that right tackle role or at, at the very least get the first shot at winning that. But to me, giving that kind of money to a guy like Feliciano who can play anywhere along the interior. We know that left guard is, is locked down. And that is, that's going to be, that's going to be Aaron Banks. We also know that Jake Brendel is back as, as the center. I don't think this is, I don't think this is a signing to give Brendel competition, but what I do think this is, is an opportunity, or at least they, I think they probably told Feliciano, look, we'll give you an opportunity to win this right guard job. And to me, the reason that they can do that is because Spencer Burford Played right tackle at UTSA, right? Yeah. He has a lot of experience. He played left and right tackle at UTSA. And I have to wonder if they are essentially saying, look, we're going to just kind of throw something against the wall and see what sticks at right tackle. That could be uh, a rookie that we draft this year in the third round, or if we, or they may move up, right? Uh, that could be McKibbitz, that could be Burford, that could be uh, Jalen Moore, right? They've, they've got three or four options. And I, I really do think that this Feliciano signing, to me, points to a right tackle competition that will include Spencer Burford. And then you've got Feliciano, who has a ton of experience and can fill that Daniel Brunskill role, which is, you know, your first line of defense along the interior of the offensive line if somebody goes down, but also good enough to be your starter at one of those positions. Uh, and then, like I said, allow Burford to to at least compete for that right tackle job. What do you think?
1: I, I, I like that signing because it's, it is essentially, to me, a Daniel Brunskill replacement in terms of role. And Burford played out of position last year all year. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize Obviously, him playing right guard—that was not his natural position—and he did pretty darn well for the most part. Yeah. And he he did he did platoon with Daniel Brunskill. Like they yep. they did split snaps there, they did split time there. But in his time there, he played pretty well. And I think that for a rookie coming in, that there's there's not much more else that you can ask from for a rookie coming in playing out of position. So I think he did a, he did a fantastic job last year. And I think that again, Kyle has his guys that he that he likes that are familiar with the scheme and system. And I think that what they're betting on is potentially Spencer Burford moving to right tackle and being more familiar with the scheme and letting, letting Feliciano come in and play that Brunskill role play right guard on the interior where he's used to playing and being able to have a starter quality player replace Brunskill who is, you know, like I would say he's, he's starter quality, but he's not, he was not elite unless it was against Aaron Donald, right. But it was, he's not an elite <laughs> interior player. And the Niners clearly felt like he could be replaced, but I, I think that Feliciano is at the very least a, a, a moderate upgrade of a Brunskill and that at the most, a significant upgrade on the interior. So I like it. It's a very, again, a very shrewd signing. It's only a one year deal. It's kind of, kind of a prove it sort of deal. And to that point, Brian, have you noticed that as an aside, have you noticed that there's a lot of guys signing one year deals and, and I was reading yeah. something on Twitter where agents really aren't happy about this because their, their job security and their financial future is also tied to that too. But why do you think it is that all these guys are signing one year deals is because of the fluctuations in the cap or the, the player mobility or like what, why are guys betting on themselves so much for one year?
3: um I don't know that they're betting on themselves so much as there's just not those multi-year deals out there to be had. You know, That's true. the cap, the cap keeps going up, which is great. But at the same time, it feels like teams are using that to then retain the top end talent. Yeah. Right. And so it just kind of feels like there's, there's not a, there's not a very large middle class in the NFL, Mm. right? It's like top tier, really expensive guys. And then, I mean, if you, even if you look at the 49ers roster right now, right, there are, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 players that are making over 5 million or counting over $5 million against the cap this year. Every Mm -hmm. other player costs less than 5 million. And that's a lot of players (laughs) that is a significant level of players. And so, you know, I, I, it just, I think, I just think that's the market right now. And I I don't, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't pretend to to speak with any authority on on contract trends or anything like that, but it you're right. It certainly seems, and and it started I think with that with that COVID year, right, where every yeah. that the cap went down, where the the well the post 2020 year, right, so 2021, mm-hmm. where that cap went down precipitously, and you know you're talking about billionaire owners, right, and they're mm-hmm. always going to be worried about the bottom line and you know you and i had talked on twitter about and it has nothing to do with the 49ers but about the a's and the giants right and how both of those teams were in the top five in uh profit margin uh for mlb last season and you know i thought it was i i use that to clown on the a's a little bit which i know is your first love uh, but you were right that, you know, the jobs are more the though. same thing. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but it, and if you, if you're, if they were willing or able to, to really lowball players starting in 2021, it just feels like they're continuing to do that. And I, mm-hmm. uh, to me, that is, that is more bottom line than, you know, than, than a, than a trend because, you know, they don't have the money to spend or whatever. You know, one of the interesting things
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: You know, a lot of people are still kind of clamoring for some moves to be made uh, by the 49ers. And uh, for whatever reason, John Feliciano and Austin Bryant aren't moving the needle for people. Um, But hey, anytime the 49ers sign a defensive lineman, it doesn't matter if you know him or not. What you do know is that he's going to produce, right? Because Chris Kasurik is an absolute magician and he will get the best out of anybody that you give him. Uh, and then that mm-hmm. guy will go on and make quite a bit of money somewhere else. And you know, you yep. talked about you talked about all the players that the 49ers lost, and a lot of that has to do with, again, being a being a uh, a winning team and and other teams trying to to poach that talent. But the other thing is that the 49ers continue to lose coaches and front office mm-hmm. members who are then the ones that are signing all those players, right? Like yeah, you look yeah. at Daniel Brunskill in Tennessee with Rand Carthen. So is Aziz Alshire. So is Arden Key. Um and I think there's one other one in Tennessee with, with Rand Carthen and then Jimmy Ward down in, in Houston with with uh, D'Amico. And then you've got uh what uh, Jeff Wilson and uh, uh, Raheem Ossert down in Miami with Miami, yeah. with uh with with uh, with our guy, with our boy, Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing when you look at the 49ers cap right now. Again, the, the name I keep hearing is Yannick Ngakwe, right? The, somebody mm-hmm. opposite Bosa that can, that can produce. And, hey, that would be incredible. Currently, as it stands, the 49ers are about $5 million under the salary cap, which right. isn't even enough to sign their rookie class right now if, if they were to pick at every, every pick that they have. Now, you and I don't think that they're going to pick 11 guys. I think most people mm. don't think that. But they still have to sign the rookie class. The interesting thing is that there are still some contract levers that they have to pull that they haven't done yet. And the biggest one, or or the one that I thought they would have pulled already, is the Christian McCaffrey contract. So right now, as it stands, Christian McCaffrey has a $12 million cap hit in 2023. Of that $12 million, $0 of it is guaranteed. He has Mm -hmm. zero guaranteed money left on that deal, which is three more seasons at $12 million. Yep, They could easily convert... His base salary in 2023 is $11.8 million. They could easily convert almost all of that to a signing bonus, which would then be guaranteed money. Mm -hmm. But the advantage of that is now you spread that out over 2023, 2024, and 2025. Now, again, that guarantees him money in those two seasons, but it would give them an additional, I would say probably $10 million in cap space just by pulling that lever there's also i can't levers.
1: believe i can sorry I, I just can't believe that they got christian McCaffrey for on that on that deal i know like, right no guaranteed money there's su- such little risk you yeah. didn't have to give up a first rounder to get him and he's in the prime of his career i just i can't believe they pulled that trade off i still can't believe they pulled that trade off that
3: was yeah and, and really all it cost them was a second round pick right that's the that's biggest yeah. that's the biggest thing it cost them um yeah. There's also uh, Nick Bosa's extension. Nick yes. Bosa's uh, cap hit this year is $17.85 million. If they mm-hmm. extend him, right, then that, I guarantee that cap hit will go down by probably, I don't know, $15 million maybe. Um, you know, Javon Hargrave, right, with the deal that he signed, four years, $84 million, His cap hit in 2023 is only $6.6 million. Mm-hmm. He has $40 million guaranteed but the way that they structured it, his cap hit is only $6.6 million. His cap hit is less than Debo and Mm. Debo's only at 8.6. Now Debo's goes up a lot next year, but so there are contract levers for them to pull, uh, including possibly a George Kittle restructure. And then they could also restructure Armstead because Armstead right now is the sec is going to count the second highest cap number on the team in 2023 at $23.7 million dollars. The only one higher is Trent, Trent Williams at 27.2 million. And so I think they'll so, restructure
1: Trent too, I think, they'll probably uh, restructure
3: Trent, I, think so. I think they're I think they're afraid to restructure Trent because um, here's here's the interesting thing about the cap, right? There are one, two, three, four, five, the top five players that count against the cap for the 49ers right now in order is Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, George Kittle, Nick Bosa and Christian McCaffrey. Do you know who six is? Who's, who's number six Trey Lance. Wow. Trey Lance at 9.3 million, which is, uh, roughly 250,000 more than Fred Warner at 9.049. So Lance is six. Warner is seven. Debo is eight. You know, who is the ninth highest cap hit for the 49ers in 2023? Is it Iuke? and I'm going to give you a hint. This is why I don't think they want to restructure Trent Williams. It's D Ford. Oh, it's D Ford. Wow. It's D Ford. It's D wow. Ford at 8.589 million. D Ford is counting almost 9 million against the 2023 cap. Just again, based on restructures, retirement, all of that. And so I think that's why they're a little bit, uh, they're a little bit gun shy, I think to, to mess with, I think they're gun shy to mess with Williams' contract. I think they're gun shy to mess with Kittle's contract as well. Uh, Again, just because of injury history and things like that. But so everybody that's clamoring for Yannick and Gakwe, I just, I just don't see them. I don't see them doing that unless, you know, it's, it's a very team friendly deal. Because again, like I said, they could just convert Christian McCaffrey's base salary this year to to a signing bonus and immediately clear like $10 million, which would give them 15 and they could be off to the races to sign somebody. And they haven't done it yet, which tells me that they're not inclined to don't know why, but it just seems that way. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's really any other big moves for them to make or that they plan on making, like I said, unless it, unless it makes sense to them. And I just, I mean, I think Ngakwe would be incredible, but at the same time, you invested a second-round pick in Drake Jackson last year. That's that's a lot of that's a big investment. Whether we think it's a big investment or not in the NFL, a second-round pick is a big investment. So if that's the investment you've made, you you've got to see if it'll pay dividends, right? And so I think mm-hmm. I think they're going to go into this season. I I don't think that means that they ignore the position in the draft, but I think it's I think in their mind it it is drake jackson's job to lose and you know i, I think he's a 22 year old kid right um you know I, I think a lot of players especially young players coming in the nfl they haven't taken care of their body like nfl players typically take care of their body and it takes a little right. while to adjust and i think that was his problem last year
1: and he they also get they also don't get a break right it's just the college season straightened into, right you know training That's a great online point and, and the draft so they don't they don't get a break ever so yeah. it's just their their first off season after playing their first year oftentimes you'll hear rookies say that's the first time that i actually got a chance to like rest recuperate work on my body build up my strength because a lot of it is also just maintenance too because you don't want to hurt yourself before the draft you don't want to hurt yourself before the combine to to yep. to damage your draft stock so a lot of it goes into the the first to second year jump and that's why a lot of these guys we we talk about sophomore slump but a lot of guys also make that leap in the second year because they have a full year under their belt of Training and nutrition and and rest and all the other things that make you successful as an NFL player. So, uh, it's 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 really, I'm I'm hopeful about Drake Jackson, but it's really kind of an unknown at this point. The other thing that they need they they don't have a kicker, right? I know this is not a big deal. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Out,
3: I forgot about that. But they
1: need they need money to sign a kicker, right? So there's apparently an offer out to Robbie Gold, and uh, from what we've seen on on Twitter and heard, the ball is in his court. Uh, is what the quote was, and and there's an offer out to him, and, and I think he's weighing his options. Ryan Succop was just released by the Buccaneers, yeah. and he's 18 of 19 of field, and on field goals in the postseason, and that is he is currently, I believe, top 20 in terms of accuracy all time for for field goals, field goal kicking. Mm-hmm. So I think that that could be another another option. He's 36 years old, so again, it's not a long term sort of thing. But if you bring him on on a short term deal, as they typically do with these kickers that are, that are towards the latter part of their career, then that's, that's what you do. I I don't like drafting a kicker because it it typically doesn't work out for teams when they, when they try to draft kickers Um, you're better off, you're better served going into the free agent market, dipping into the free agent market and and getting somebody from there. So, um, so you got your kicker talk as well. We, we do everything. We are equal opportunity here on the know how to
4: podcast Odyssey.
3: Yeah. Let's go go. kicker talk, baby kicker. talk. So
4: And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
0: Selling a little or a lot. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: The Niners are an interesting position here now. They have a chance to really take a stranglehold on this division for many years to come, depending on obviously what happens at the quarterback position and uh, the overall health of the team because look, Kyle Shanahan is not going anywhere. You've got an elite defense that is just kind of scratching the surface. Now with a lot of young talent, you've got elite skilled players on the offensive side of the ball, and you've got basically a championship level roster that's ready, ready to win now, but is positioned such that they have a lot of, like you said, guys that are making less than $5 million, right? The the three quarters of the roster is less than $5 million against the cap, which means that it's a lot of younger players. Mm-hmm. So that being said, the rest of the NFC West right now is kind of the, the only threat to me right now is Seattle. And I'll be very honest with you. First of all, Pete Carroll, you have to respect the job that he did last year with Geno Smith and that group. That, that was like a ragtag group. He took them to playoffs 100%. and you got, you got to respect that. There's not a lot of coaches that can that can do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. but that being said i I don't expect geno smith to have the same type of year he was a top three quarterback for most of the year last year in terms of quarterback rating that's not going to happen this year i I don't see that happening he may he may drop off like a little bit he may be Mm -hmm. slightly worse but he's not going to be top three and i think that really the last eight games of the season i believe they lost five of them last eight games of the season plus the playoffs you you really start to see geno smith coming back down to earth and they struggle down the stretch so I think you'll see more of that. They've got Kenneth Walker, who's a fantastic running back. Obviously DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They've got really good Jordan Brooks on the, on the defensive, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They've got Tariq Woolen and, and obviously Jamal Adams coming back from, from injury, but that is the only threat to me. But the Arizona Cardinals are not going to do anything. Kyler Murray is, is an absolute albatross over that team, <laughs> uh, the rams are basically in rebuilding mode at this point they they don't they don't know what they're doing they cashed in for one year and they they succeeded but now they're rebuilding as we thought they would so really it's the niners it's the niners division to lose at this point point. and what does the rest of the nfc west look like to you
3: yeah so let's let's take a look at the moves that they've made right because you're right the to me it's a it's a two horse race between the 49ers and the seahawks uh, i think currently the 49ers are still in a much better position than the Seahawks are. But I, I really, I, I kind of like a lot of the moves that the Seahawks made this this offseason, which pisses me off because I don't want to like the moves that they made. Um, but very much in the vein of what the 49ers did with Javon Hargrave, uh, the Seahawks did bring in uh, some, pretty, some pretty, pretty solid talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they added uh, defensive tackle Draymond Jones, uh, who was of the Broncos. Uh, Very much in the same vein as Javon Hargrave. He is a uh, three-tech pass-rushing defensive tackle. Uh, They also brought in Jaron Reed at the defensive tackle position. But they let Puna Ford go. And Puna Ford is still a a free agent. So I think there's a possibility that he could end up back there. But as it stands right now, uh, he is gone. Uh, They also brought in one of the guys that I actually really was hoping the 49ers might be in on. And that was safety Julian Love from the Giants. And they brought him in on a really modest, I think it was like a two-year deal, the, ki- the guy's only like 26 years old, very versatile, can play free safety, can play in the slot, can even play outside. And so it, it's kind of odd because they already had like four really good safeties and now they brought in what amounts to a fifth, right? They had Jamal Adams, they have Quandre Diggs, now they have Julian Love. That another another uh, young guy that I think might end up, you know, being a, either a trade candidate or, or possibly a cut. Um, and then they also brought in uh, another guard. Uh, to to bolster that that offensive line that had two rookie tackles last year that played really really well right those guys yeah. are going to be there for a long time and then uh, and then the only the only real losses that they had if you're talking about impact is and 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 you could argue that it's not as impactful because he rarely played but Rashad Penny uh, yeah. left and is uh, now with Philadelphia. And so they didn't really lose anybody from this team. They brought Geno back on a modest three-year deal that I think really, if you look at the structure is probably just a one-year deal deal, that if, like you said, if he, if he falls back down to earth or hell, here's the other thing about the Seahawks. They've got pick five in the draft Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they've got a second first round pick. And I think it's in the, I think it's in the early teens. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're ready to, to, to kind of load up right now and, you know what will be interesting is to see if they use that number five pick. If one of the quarterbacks falls, could they go? Could they go quarterback? Or if there's a run on quarterbacks and four of the and four quarterbacks go in the first four picks, uh, then they've got their pick of any other player that they mm-hmm. want. And there's uh, Will Anderson, the edge from Alabama. Tyree was it Tyree Jackson? I think it's mm-hmm. Jackson, the edge from uh, Texas Tech. Uh, there's Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from from uh, Georgia. There are a lot of impact players that could just fall right in their lap because of the position that they're in. Because the Broncos were awful last year, and this is the Broncos' pick. Uh, this this number five pick. So um, yeah, it's the, they're the to me they're they're the only real threat. Uh, because if you just look at the the other two teams uh the Cardinals and the Rams, let's i mean let's start with let's start with the Rams because the Cardinals literally haven't done anything yeah but neither have the Rams the but here's the thing that the Rams did do they got rid of Bobby Wagner, which by the way again if you clear some cap space, I, I wouldn't mind bringing Bobby Wagner in to replace his ease right yeah. that'd be pretty dope um but uh, they got rid of Bobby Wagner, they traded Jalen Ramsey, and they got rid of was it Leonard Floyd? Yeah. And in those three moves, they cleared sixty one point two million off their cap in twenty twenty four, not twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, they still only have like seven million dollars in cap space, but they're they're not they they did those they made those moves with an eye to twenty twenty four, and mm-hmm. so you know with an eye to 2023 like you said. I'm not worried about about the Rams. And then the Cardinals I don't did, did you see that uh, introductory uh, video where uh, Jonathan Gannon oh was meeting God. with those players? That was cringe. Cringe. that was so, that was Michael Scott level cringe. That was Yeah. That was brutal, but uh Kyler Murray probably out till halfway through this season. And mm-hmm. then th- they're they're just not they're not even bringing players in. They're just not, it's like, I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea what their plan is. So again, I'm not worried about them at all. I don't
1: think Jonathan Genn is that good of a coach anyways. Honestly, I I don't think he's either. I I thought that he benefited tremendously by having a really strong roster in Philadelphia. And a lot of uh, those guys got paid too, right? Like Darius Slay and these guys like they had, he had a, he had a good roster over there. Hassan Mm Reddick. Like he had a very, Mm -hmm. very good roster on, on defense. And I feel like he, he benefited that Fletcher Cox as well. Javon Hargrave, as we know, when our, our own Javon Hargrave. So that being said, I, I'm not scared of that. The only thing that kind of makes me pause, not even scared. It makes me pause is that Seattle is really, if you look at it, they're kind of just a quarterback away, really. If, if everything falls into place, certainly. And is Gino that guy? And I, I kind of like was happy when they gave Gino that deal. Cause I was like, okay, I don't want them drafting a quarterback because that could that could set them up for years to come, and I don't want them to sign a quarterback on the market that's better than Geno because that's an upgrade and, and they would be better. But that being said, I'm, I I'm banking on the fact that maybe it was lightning in the bottle for Seattle because I, because I have to because I hate them, right? But <laughs> the, the bottom line is the same. The Niners have to take care of their own business. The reason why they went to the championship game last year is because they swept the division. And they took care of business when when they had control of it and that is why they got as far as they did because it didn't matter what anybody else did they just beat whoever was in front of them and you know as as we kind of are winding down here one thing that i want to uh potentially leave us with uh, for later discussion in the off season is you know we've talked about brock's recovery and and, and when he's going to come back and, and all that stuff the timeline but we haven't really touched on what we expect out of him because right now it's just about the recovery. Right. We right. haven't really talked about like what what type of development do we want to see out of him? What type of, right. Because nobody's, I haven't heard anybody talk about that for the, for that matter at this point. And while it's early in the off season and, and you can't do anything about that because he's still hurt and recovering, he just had surgery. But that being said, like I, I hope to see some sort of development out of him in year two, because look, he was fantastic in, in, his first seven games. Right. But there were some things there that he could, he could work on and develop and be better at. Certainly. And, and I think that I'm excited to see that, that level of development in year two. And obviously I'm excited to see Trey and see how he's, how he's developed. Again, I, as I've been saying all off season, we're going to see Trey start at least a couple games. It's going to happen. And I, I don't think Sam Donald's here to, to take the starting spot. It'll be Trey's show until either somebody takes it away from him or until Brock Purdy comes back, so I think that's something that to kind of keep our eye on is is what the expectations are for Brock Purdy when he finally comes back in, into the lineup.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, there's obviously always going to be growth, right? He was a rookie quarterback, but one of the things that that I thought was interesting is, again, I I will be the first person to tell you, I absolutely got swept up in the in the hype, right? I was the I was the captain of the Brock Purdy hype train, and yes. and he played incredibly well. Especially considering seventh round, Mister Irrelevant uh, dropped into a you know a situation where you're in the middle of a of a push for a playoff uh, position and and hopefully a Super Bowl and a you know a veteran laden team with expectations to win. Like it wasn't an easy situation, but at the same time, you were dropped into a situation in which you had Christian McCaffrey. And Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and a incredibly talented uh, play calling head coach and uh, you had uh, an incredible defense on the other side of the ball like he couldn't have been dropped into a better situation. But I heard Greg Cassell talk about this uh, when he talked with Matt Maiocco on Radio Row during Super Bowl week. And then uh, Rich Madrid, if you don't, if you, anybody that's listening follows Rich on Twitter, Um, Rich does a lot of film work. um, And he was showing uh, a couple days ago, I can't, uh, I would say probably within this past week, Uh, you know, he was using film to show some of, especially as the season progressed, some of the areas where Brock seemed to, it almost looked like he started to regress a little bit. And and that had to do with uh, progressions and it had to do with, Uh, you know, pulling the trigger at the right time. And that's exactly what Greg Cassell talked about as well with Matt Mayoka was towards the end of that run uh, late in the season and into the playoffs. Brock was leaving quite a bit of meat on the bone when it came to uh, a lot of the pass place, right. Where, you know, there were, there were times and and Rich used an example where, you know, there was a, a situation where Brandon Ayuk was coming open and, and Brock, Checked it down, right? Rather than seeing Ayuk come open and and hit that hit that intermediate throw. And and then we 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 talked about even during the run, right? When he gets in trouble in the pocket, he backs up, right? And that's that is not a habit that you can continue to have. And he needs to learn to step up into the pocket. And then the other thing was if he escaped the pocket, it was almost exclusively to his left. And that is the type of tendency that teams can play into. And so, you know, there are obviously things that he needs to work on. And, and I would imagine that Brock would tell you the same thing, right? That's the type of player that he is. And so, you know, the development that I'm hoping to see is, again, just a, a better understanding of the offense, a a better understanding of of progressions. And, and to be perfectly honest, it's the growth that we need to see from from Trey Lance as well, uh, right. because that is part of that is part that has been part of the problem for Trey as well is, you know, not not, not going through the progressions or not making the right read or things of that nature. So for both of those guys, that's really the growth that, that you have to see. And then for Trey on top of that is, you know, accuracy, right? Accuracy in the intermediate to short areas and, um, and, and, you know, hopefully a little less, uh, quarterback power and a little more opportunity to throw the ball.
1: Yes little less quarterback power and a little more quarterback empowerment, if you will. There you right? go. Oh,
3: I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. We should cut that one, make a clip
1: out of that. Definitely. Yes. No more clip. quarterback
3: power. Let's do quarterback empowerment. Yes. I like it. Yes. I
1: like it. And I like it. That we, we should end on that. That's, I mean, that we, we won't find a better ending than that, <laughs> Brian.
3: <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Some of the best endings you just kind of fall ass backwards into, right? There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, I mean,
1: we're going to get out of here. But, man, uh, next time we we got a lot to talk about. There's draft season, a.k.a. smokescreen season coming up. There's a yes. uh, few holes still to be left by, by 49ers free agency that are left to be filled. And we've got a lot of big plans as far as guests and things like that that are coming up that you guys will definitely want to be a part of. So for Brian Rennick, this is a NACV and the On Assignment outsacco. Sacco. <laughs> With another episode of the 49ers Web Zone Know to podcast presented by Odyssey. Peace.
3: Later. 9 03! on 03!
2: 2400
1: Sports is an Odyssey company.
3: Okay, picture this.